We're continuing on a series on problems that we face, and I thought it was appropriate this holiday season, um, as loneliness so many face, and it is something we have all experienced. I heard about a little boy who, he was terrified by a thunderstorm, and his mother came in the room to calm him and comfort him and she said to him honey Jesus is with you and he said mom I know that but right now I need somebody with skin on and the truth of the matter is Jesus has said I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you I will always be with you and we know that but there are times where there is a specific person that we just want to be with that we want that comfort, we want that assurance, and sometimes we're not able to be. And loneliness is is a very real issue. It's not about being spiritual, you know, and you won't be lonely. (laughs) As there are instances all through the Scripture, those that were lonely. But we're going to look at Paul this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 4. As Paul is in the last place before eternity, a lonely place, and Second Timothy chapter four, nine through the end, verse nine through the end of the chapter, as we're going to look at this issue of loneliness from this godly man, and ways in order to combat it. So I'm going to ask when you find that Second Timothy four to stand in our God's honor, as I read from the scriptures. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychius to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him, because he strongly opposed our message. At my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Achilla and the household of Nesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the others. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Let's pray. Lord, here we come before you once again. I'm grateful that you do not grow weary of our need. Father, we, we're a lot weaker than we pretend to be, Lord. We tend to show ourselves strong, but you know what we're really like, and you know when we struggle. And as we come to you this morning, being reminded of this issue of loneliness, 
Father, uh, I pray that you might speak well beyond what I could say and that you might touch our hearts, God, as we look at Paul and as you speak to us, Father, about this issue. And remind us, Lord, that uh, to be lonely is never to be unique. Father, others have experienced it and are experiencing it. Maybe right now, this morning, And I just pray that your Holy Spirit, O God, might speak to us in a very genuine manner, Lord. And we might hear from you, because we need you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. This issue of loneliness, uh, wow. It's far-reaching, isn't it? There are those... um, who are separated in the midst of going through a divorce or recently have experienced divorce, who are lonely. There are those who desperately would love to be able to conceive and and to have children, and their heart aches so to have kids and they're not able to and they're lonely. There are others who are separated from loved ones. Maybe a loved one is in prison and you miss that person and you're lonely and there is an ache of the heart. Um, there are those who are in in trouble and, and and they're hurting they're wondering you know where am I going to turn what am I going to do I just feel like I'm so desperately alone and then of course there's that issue of a loved one who is with the Lord who has died who has crossed over to eternity and they're severely missed there are some here who a child has is, is died that you miss so and you love and your heart aches. Maybe it's a parent or a grandparent or, or someone else and you just so desperately and deeply miss them. I remember a number of years ago there was an elderly couple in the church, dear couple, um, Hubert and Kathleen Orr. And they really loved each other. They were in their late 80s, early 90s. And he called her Cat. And I remember when Cat died. And it was about four or five months later. I was over at Hubert's house. And I was talking to him. And I said, Hubert, I bet you really miss Cat. And his eyes teared up. And he said, oh yeah. I said, I bet you really wish... You could, I bet you really wish that she could be with you right now. And he started shaking his head and he said, No, I wish I was with her right now. Loneliness. Loneliness. As we look at Paul in this section of Scripture, well, the first reason he's lonely is quite obvious. It's where he is. He is in a dark and dreary, damp dungeon. It is it is a place that certainly wasn't comfortable, <laughs> a place where loneliness would easily find its grip. One man had wrote this after visiting there. A traveler who was in this place during the summertime wrote these words: "Descending of the winding staircase, you come finally to a dismal, low, arched chamber, where the apostle laid bound, waiting to be offered up." Even on a hot summer day, the visitor could sense the constriction of the low ceiling and the dampness of the dungeon. 
he concluded by saying, this is a depressing place. And that was in the summer. This was late fall. Winter is approaching. And, and uh, hey, you know, this is the last place until he entered eternity. This was his final home before he went home. Uh, obviously a place of loneliness. Second reason here, he was separated from close friends. Look here in verse 9, a couple of verses here. He says, do your best to come to me quickly. And he mentions this guy, Demas. Because he loved this world, has deserted me, and has gone to Thessalonica. Demas was a companion, a fellow missionary, and I don't know all the details, but he decided he was leaving. <laughs> he had been there, and he had been a comfort to Paul. He had been companionship. He had been a fellow co-laborer for Christ. And for whatever reason, he left. He went back to Thessalonica, probably his home. I don't, I don't know if he left the ways of, of the Lord, um, but I know for certain he left the presence of Paul. He left that particular work, and, and that really hurt Paul. It, it just crushed him, disappointed him deeply. Reminded me of Abraham Lincoln when he had lost a close senatorial race. And it, they asked Lincoln how he felt losing such a close race. And he said, I feel like the little boy who stubbed his toe. He said, too big to cry, but too, too badly hurt to laugh. And uh, he... He missed Demas. He was deeply disappointed. Then he mentions two other guys who apparently went on other mission trips, as we read here. Christians who went to Galatia, which uh, in my studies I saw that that was a place where there were probably a lot of Celtic tribes and, and a place to go forward with the gospel. And then Titus, who went to this place, Dalmatia, which was a mountainous region. He, he went to the mountains. Maybe like going up in the Smokies, you know, and, and, and sharing the gospel with those who needed to hear about Christ. And then he comes here and he says, he says, only Luke is with me. Now, you know who Luke was? He was a doctor, right? And he was a guy God would use to record for us the book of Luke and, and, and also the Acts, the history of that early church. But guys, I mean, let's face it. I mean, most men, we spend our lives trying to run from the doctor. We don't want to go to the doctor. We do everything we can to stay away from the doctor. And the only guy that Paul's got around him is the doctor. You know, conversations like, stick out your tongue, Paul. No, I don't know if that's exactly what happened. But, but the point is, this is the guy that was left. I'm not taking anything away from Luke. But he missed his companions. He missed the guys that were with him. And, and, and he was lonely as a result of that. I think it's interesting here, as he makes a request here too. Notice there... Um, he says in verse 10, Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. We're told in the Scriptures that Mark was a young missionary and he was under the help of Barnabas. And they had gone with Paul on a mission trip. And things got heated and it was stressful. And John Mark cut out. He left. And so then on another mission trip, Barnabas brought John Mark again, and Paul got mad. He said, I'm not going to get out there where it's tough, and this guy leave, and, and, and then we're hurt as a result of it. No, Barnabas, and it said they parted ways. Well, now here he is. He's in this prison cell. And what's he thinking about? 
He's thinking about this guy that he had gotten mad at years ago. And he says, you know, I'd really like to see. I'd like for him to come. And and so he's missing some key relationships here. A a third reason here in loneliness strikes when memories bring nostalgic reminders. Uh, Look at verse 14 through 16. He says, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. He says, you too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. You know, you read that at first, you say, man, that's all bad news. But it's not the bad news he remembers. I want you to notice here. Look at verse 17. He says, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. What's he remember? He remembers there was a hard time, but he remembered that God in a supernatural way came through and comforted him and gave him strength and was his support. And, and as he remembered that, you know, it was, it was a time of nostalgia. It was a time of saying, oh man, I remember those days, those precious days where God was obviously at work and His presence was there. And man, I miss that. I miss being able to go to those places. I miss being able to, to see God work in people's lives as I'm, I'm stuck here, as I'm here. And, and, and how I miss that. And there are times where we say, man, I miss those days. I miss those people. You know, there's certain... Um, Memories that are evoked by things we see or, or smells. I, um, there are these two sisters that years ago adopted us. They never got married and they lived together for years. And uh, Nana Carrie, Nana Elizabeth. And we have loved them for a very long time. And um, they'll send letters to the mail, you know, birthday cards and stuff. And there's this smell on the envelope of their perfume. And that's Nana Carrie, Nana Elizabeth. You know, smell is on. That's them. You know, it, it comes back and it's flood of memories that I have of Nana Carrie and Nana Elizabeth. You know what I'm talking about? Certain reminders, certain smells, or certain things you see. Sometimes you go through a closet, or, or you go through the basement, and, and you see something, and it reminds you. It brings back a flood of memories of someone that's precious. And what happens? <laughs> you miss them, don't you? It evokes emotions. Emotions that were pressed down deep and, and, and they, they come out because of these reminders. Certain things you see, certain things you smell, maybe certain things that you hear and, and it just brings it all back. A fourth reason, loneliness also strikes during certain times of the year. Verse 21, he says, Do your best to get here before winter. Winter is a time of year where many people are naturally depressed. Well, you know, a couple of reasons. Number one, the days get so short that you end up, there's no daylight to get outside. That kind of gets you down. Secondly, the temperature usually drops and you get cold. So if you're prone to being cold, now you're really cold. And then a third reason is, let's just be honest, it's a time of holidays. Maybe there's some people not there. You really miss. It's just hard. It's hard to celebrate those holidays without those key people there. Because your most precious memories, that person was there. And, and now they're not there. Now they're not there. 
And Paul, you know, Paul, he's saying, I want you here, Timothy. I miss you, Timothy. I want you, I want you to come as quickly as you can. I want to be alone. Um, I, I need you. Many times during the holidays, the time where people are depressed, suicides go up, people come down. Why? Because of this, this sinking feeling of those people you want around. Uh, fifth reason, loneliness comes when we feel shelved and forgotten. <laughs> he has a sense of desperation here. He's in this jail cell. He's not able to do what he loves to do, to be among people, to be able to preach the gospel, uh, to be able to, to share. And, and, and that just takes something out of you when you feel like, am I forgotten? Do those people still remember me? <laughs> um, I know at one time I meant something, but do I still? Because, you know, let's face it, we all know life goes on. Whether I'm there or not, life goes on. And, you know, I can remember one preacher, he, it was, he, he had a bucket of water, and he said, you want to know how fast you'll be forgotten? He stuck his hand in the bucket of water and he pulled it out. He said, as quick as it took for the water to go back in places, as quick as I'll be forgotten when I leave this place. <laughs> and, and, and it, you know, it, it, it's just true. We're all forgotten at one point. Um, anyway, uh, even in those times, we need to be reminded the Lord's at work. I, I want to read to you. This is a quote from Corey Ten Boom. Uh, many of you have heard of it. A dear lady that during World War II, her family had suffered in many ways uh, in concentration camps. But here's what she writes. Deep in our hearts, we believe in a good God Yet, how shallow is our understanding of His goodness, especially since we see many things that seem to deny it. Corey clarified the issue for us. She wrote, Often I've heard people say, How good God is! We prayed it would not rain for our church picnic, and look at the lovely weather. Yes, God is good when He sends good weather. God's also good when He allowed my sister Betsy to starve to death before my eyes in a German concentration camp. I remember one occasion when I was very discouraged there. Everything around us was dark, and there was darkness in my heart. I remember telling Betsy I thought God has forgot, had forgotten us. No, Corey, said Betsy. He's not forgotten us. Remember his word. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Corey concludes, There is an ocean of God's love available. There's plenty for everyone. May God grant you never to doubt that victorious love, whatever the circumstances. And one last one here, and then I want to give some uh, prescription for dealing with loneliness. Loneliness comes often when death is near. Look at verse 6. He says, uh, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. Paul knows his days are numbered. Hey, a tired body is a tired countenance. His body was failing and it's in... So was his spirits, too often linked. Now, I want to give some practical advice here. Certainly, I'm not going to get rid of loneliness here, but I just want to share some practical ways to deal with it in the text here, I believe. First, uh, Paul requested companionship. In verse 9, he says, Do your best to come to me quickly. It means becoming vulnerable. Hey, you know, don't just sit at home and have the pity party. You know what happens with the pity party? No one wants to come, <laughs> you know. So share with somebody. Become vulnerable. Be willing to call somebody. And, and I want you to notice, he doesn't say here in the text, 
Hey, I want you to bring the whole church at Ephesus. We're going to rock together in this prison, you know. He doesn't say that. He mentions a few specific people that he really wants to see. And that's how we are. It's not that we don't want to see everyone, but there are some we really want to see. That's Paul. He mentions a couple of these people here. He, you know, on the way, grab John Mark. Bring him here too. Um, there are things I want to say. There are things I want to deal with. I'm sure he had many regrets as he thought back and he said, man, God's working in this guy's life and I could have been a part of it all these years and I've missed that and, and I want to get that straight. I, I want to get that right and, and I just need that companionship, Timothy. I, I need you. And, and, and so he made himself vulnerable. So do that. Be willing to be vulnerable. Second, Paul asks for bodily comfort. Look at verse 13. He says, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Corpus at Troas. Um, It was cold. Winter was approaching. And the cloak was a garment that actually went below the knees. It was a a rather large garment. Um, You were almost... You were considered naked without your cloak. It was such an important garment to stay warm by. (laughs) And... I don't know exactly where this cloak came from, but my guess, he didn't say just bring any cloak. He says, bring my cloak. Which tells me that it must have had a history with Paul. Um, You know, when there was the snow, he had on this cloak to stay warm. (laughs) When he was beaten, you know, the cloak was probably there. I mean, you know, this cloak had special memories, and it was probably either given to him by someone special or made by someone special. You know, I, I had a coat for the last 10 years, a winter coat that I used. It was my coat, man. I love that coat. And uh, we got a puppy. And I, uh, one day I went to get my coat, and I started putting my hand in my pocket, and it's like... Phew. And I looked down, and there was this big hole in my coat. The puppy found the coat and tore the coat up. And I thought, what do you do? I'm the one that brought the, the puppies in the house. I love the puppy. I look at Thomas and Rachel. <laughs> the puppy. Yeah. But, but you know, th- th- where, where did this come from? You know, and, and I don't know, but you know what? I got to thinking it. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. It, it, preachers use, you know, we sanctified imagination. I don't know how sanctified it is, but uh, I was just thinking about this. There's a lady in here that came to my mind. I wonder if maybe this cloak came from her. I mean, it, it could. Uh, Acts 9, 39, and 40. Uh, there was a lady named Dorcas, or Tabitha, who she had died, and, and people were really upset because she was, I guess, like everybody's grandma that you know everybody loved, and, and she reached out to people and loved them, and 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 so they come to Peter and they're all upset, and God does this miracle to raise uh, this lady back from death. Uh, anyway, it's a great great time, but here we read about him, thirty nine and forty. Peter went with him, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and show him the robes and other clothing Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Yeah. Said Peter got on his knees and prayed and God opened her eyes. You know, I read that because I thought, man, couldn't that happen? I mean, I could just see Paul meeting this lady Dorcas and, and I could just see her smile broadening and think, he needs a coat. And I could just see her going to work and, and hand-making this cloak for Paul. This guy that loved the Lord and she loved the Lord and, and that was her gift to the Lord to, to make this cloak for Paul. I mean, I could see that happening. I don't know if it came from Dorcas, but I'm going to throw in my two cents and say, maybe, 
It could have happened. I was one of those things, maybe I'll ask when I get to heaven. But the point is, this was precious to him. This cloak. And, and, and I, I say this because also, when you get depressed, you tend not to want to take care of yourself. When you're lonely, you just think, well, that'll get me to heaven quicker. But Paul did take care of himself. And let me just say a word. If you're lonely, maybe you're tempted to do that. There are probably still some other people here that really love you. And say, please take care of yourself because we want to see you a while longer. Don't rush God's time. All right, um, let me move on here. Um, third, Paul requests scrolls. Notice here the next part, he says, uh, when you come, he says, bring my scrolls. Now, the scrolls weren't the scriptures, but they were writings that dealt with the scriptures to explain the scriptures. Kind of like we would consider commentaries to give some insight from other people's study of the scriptures. Spurgeon wrote this about such books. He said, In order to be able to expound the scriptures as an aid to your pulpit studies, you'll need to be familiar with the commentators. A glorious army says, He who acquaintances will be your delight and your profit. A great value in libraries, great value in reading. And let me just say, not even with the scriptures, but it's just great value in thinking, keeping your mind active. That's what's so great about reading. It opens up new worlds and and keeps you thinking and and keeps your world expanded and and growing. And there's so much value in that. Walt Disney had said, you know, owning books, he he said, it's greater than the loot on Treasure Island. (laughs) It's just a a great treasure to have books and to read. And, And probably my favorite quote was by that great philosopher, Groucho Marx who said, outside of a dog, a book is man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. (laughs) Anyway, I just had to throw that in there. There's value in keeping your mind active. Um, Fourth, read the parchments. In other words, uh, he says, I want you to bring my Bible, Timothy. I need my set of the Scriptures. We bring them... It was special to him. And there are many of you, you have a Bible that you've marked in, you wrote in, and, and, and from where you've read and God's given you insight or, or messages you've heard. Whenever God speaks and you, you write things in your Bible, you know, your, your Bible's all marked up, and that's precious. And, and Paul's saying, you know, I really, I miss that. I'd, I'd love to see that book. The Bible, the Bible that God allowed me to have to, to, as I've listened to Him and as I've sought Him. Bring that, Timothy. I need it. <laughs> there was a great quote, as I thought of this, I wanted to share with you. Someone has said, reading the Bible without meditating on it is like trying to eat without swallowing. <laughs> and in, in other words, you know, when Paul, man, when he's reading the Bible and he's feeding upon the Scriptures, he's, he's thinking on the Scriptures and he's saying, God, speak to me, Lord. Reveal it to me. Make it come alive by Your Spirit. That's the swallowing. Not just put it in your mouth. I mean, you've got to swallow it. Get down in there. Get that Word in there to, to minister and change me in the power of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's so critical. Um, and one last thing here, and a quote from William Sloan Coffin. I thought this was important too. Sometimes we get the idea of a Bible. It's just something you use to beat people. to get. You're going to get the truth and I'm going to let you have it, you know? Well, the Bible, this is a great quote here. He says... Um, It is a mistake to look at the Bible as merely something to close a discussion. The Bible seeks to open one. In other words, guys, the Bible does have truth that is the truth. 
And, and, and that does give us what we need for answers. But it's more than that. Because once the Bible becomes alive, it becomes an open truth where you need to know more. You, you, want, you want to know what God has to say. You want to dig those minds and you, you want it to enter your life. And, and there's a hunger there. There's a, a thirst there. And, and that's when the Bible becomes alive. It, it becomes something that you have to have. And not just something that closes it, but something that opens your life. Man, that's so critical. And I know I'm at the last one. Hang on here. <laughs> Finally, find someone else who needs to be encouraged. A way to deal with loneliness. Find someone else who needs to be encouraged. Look at 19 through the end of the chapter. He mentions these wonderful people. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Anesphorus. Man, these great people. <laughs> he said, tell them. Tell them Paul says, Hello. Or howdy in our language. He says, Erastus stayed in Corinth. And he mentions him. And he mentions Trophimus that was sick in Miletus. He mentions these people. He's, he's thinking about these people. He says, let them know. I'm, I'm thinking about them, Timothy. Um, he mentions these other people. Putin's and, and Linus and, and, and Claudia and... He mentioned Jubilus. And, and in other words, he's thinking about these other people. And he's not just thinking about himself. And, and there's so much value in that. When you're lonely and when you're hurting, look around you. See if you see other people who, who, who need you. And maybe, there's, maybe you can call them. Maybe you can send them a, a card. Maybe you can visit them. I don't know. Maybe you can somehow make a difference. But don't just sit there. Find a way to be what you need. <laughs> Jesus was getting on Get out, get out there. Get out there to them. Get out there. Let's pray. Lord, uh, you know us. We've all been touched by loneliness, Lord. And I pray this morning, as we've tried to be honest and look at Paul and his battle with loneliness, I hope you've spoken to hearts, God. It's my prayer. So what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do in the life of everyone here? Lord, work. Father, this time we call response, invitation. Father, I just pray that we would respond to your voice, whatever you might want us to do. Um, open us to you, Father. Maybe someone here really needs to say, Jesus, live in my heart. Give me that comfort only you provide. Because, Father, there's no way to... to to really feel like there's someone who's always with us until there is someone always with us, Jesus. But Father, even even so, Lord, um, give us strength, Father, in this area. Uh, thank you for Paul. What an honesty here, Lord. And, and I pray that that pours out in our lives too, God. Just You know the needs here, God. Uh, you know the circumstances. And I, we just bring it to you, God. May you work in your power, Lord. And may we just say yes to whatever you want us to do in this time. We trust you. We love you. Master, may you work. In your name we pray.